Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. We got a really fun show for you tonight and so happy that you could be here. To start off, we're going to be going over Mario Lopez finding himself in hot water regarding the whole trans children situation. He quickly caved to online mob outrage, which is too bad. Uh, what else? We got Tulsi Gabbard suing Google. Very excited to hear about that. Then Alan Dershowitz is saying some funky things about age of consent laws online. And uh, we're going to finish off with the Democratic debate because that, that was a party. And uh, just a big thank you to anyone who shares, likes, subscribes, comments. It really helps us out, um, especially sharing on other platforms like Reddit, Facebook, Gmail, Twitter. We've noticed that there has been a, a big uptick in people finding our videos that way, which we really yeah. appreciate because YouTube doesn't really recommend us it anymore. Feels, it feels backwards that that would happen, and it kind of is. But, yeah, even sharing us by email is a terrific way. Yeah, of and it. I know yeah. someone kind of laughed when I said that in the last video in the comments because that is a very strange request but i see that we're getting traffic like from gmail so i appreciate you guys it's like the boomers are finally yeah chipping in, you know? <laughs> it means a ton uh if you want to go even further than that to support the show you can of course always head on over to blaze tv.com slash lauren subscribe using the code lauren not only do you help us out financially over here but you also get a ton of other great shows to watch chad prather ali stuckey steven crowder phil robertson glenn beck mark levin i mean just who is not on blaze tv I don't know. And finally, for our live stream viewers, if you want to help out, you can also give us a super chat. We're not going to be going through them during the show, but, you know, after in the after party stream, around an hour into things, we're going to be going through everything, answering your comments, questions, concerns. That's right. It's a good time. One and final thing is you can find us also on every podcast platform. Yes. Um, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Google Play. Yeah, we appreciate um, our podcast viewers. I, I yeah, think definitely. that our beautiful faces are the best part of the show. But if you're a podcast person, we uh, we got you covered. So um, this show is a lot less heavy than last week's, which I think is a good thing for yeah, my Yeah, definitely. Well, I promised pressure. it would be a little bit lighter, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so we're starting off with another trans story. I Guys, I'm not meaning to like pick on trans people. I just feel like this is a lot of what's happening in the news right now. Uh, Mario Lopez, he's an actor slash entertainer. You didn't know who he was, right? No, but I don't. I don't Hollywood. You yeah, know? but I just he was Slater on Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I don't. Anyway, I think he's like no. a an e kind of talk show guy. Anyway, so he was recently on the Candace Owens show, which I thought was pretty cool that he agreed to come I agree on completely yeah. as an actor. Uh, I I don't know that he'd done anything necessarily political before this but i thought that was great um during the the interview with candace and by the way if you haven't seen it i was also recently on the candace owen show it was a fun time watch that over on the PragerU channel if you haven't already um but when mario and candace were talking the topic of trans kids came up and lopez i i think in the most general um uncontroversial way pretty much said that three-year-old trans kids to him is weird which yeah. is like the most milk toast takeaway from trans kids, I think, is possible. And to most people, wasn't a controversial statement at all. This happened like a month ago. So uh, the people who watched it, most of us were like, yeah, that is weird. Uh, but woke Twitter finally, I guess, either watched the episode or someone started sharing that clip of him. They were finally able to process it in their brains. Yeah, and, maybe. Uh, Just took that long. Yeah. And so people in the woke community started freaking out, as they often do. And despite his totally sane statements, he actually did end up apologizing already. And this is all, by the way, in the past day right. or so? Yeah, maximum 48 hours, 24 yeah, hours probably. Yeah, so it went yeah, from it's... this happened 
outrage about this happened to apology all within a really fast cycle, which I was disappointed to hear that he apologized. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But I bet you, I bet you saw his manager probably. I know. Yeah, there are financial incentives. He works in Hollywood. I get it at the end of the day. But here's what people uh, had to say about this. We have the article. Mario Lopez apologizes for ignorant and insensitive comments about parenting transgender kids. Mario Lopez is facing backlash over comments he made in a recent interview that suggested it was dangerous for parents of children as young as three years old to definitively to definitively label their kids transgender. The incoming Access Hollywood co-host appeared on the Candace Owens show in June, where the conservative commentator brought up this new trend where celebrities are coming out and saying that their child is picking their gender. In response, Lopez told Owens he too was struggling to understand the mentality and was kind of blown away. Look, I never want to tell anyone how to parent their kids, obviously, and I think if you come from a place of love, you really can't go wrong, he said. But at the same time, if you're three years old and you're saying you feel a certain way or you think you're a boy or a girl or whatever the case may be, I just think it's dangerous as a parent to make that determination then. Okay, well, then you're going to be a boy or a girl, whatever the case may be. It's sort of alarming, and my gosh, I just think about the repercussions later on. The former Saved by the Bell star continued encouraging parents of young children to be the adult in this situation and wait until the child's formative years to have discussions and make declarations regarding gender. So that was so tame, the most tame thing. And he even kind of emphasizes, of course, love them. Like, you know, don't, I don't know, see your son playing with a Barbie doll and freak out and start beating him. He didn't say anything like that. Um, It's shocking to me that we live in a day and age where saying, hey... Maybe don't let your three-year-old decide his gender based on a whim is apparently a controversial thing to say. And it all happened so fast, right? Yeah. Like, this, just a few years ago, you wouldn't even be having this discussion. No way. And and now it's like, it's the, the orthodoxy. Escalation. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Overton window has shifted so, so fast. And it's crazy. Like I said, I get why, if, if you're in Hollywood, an actor, obviously saying anything against any sort of trans ideology is not a good thing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, Caving to outrage mobs like this, I mean, A, it just kind of confirms in their own minds that, yeah, this person did do something wrong. I was morally justified. Haha, ha, I, I've done something right. good by making them capitulate. And then B, it encourages that sort of just cancel culture behavior because they're shown, oh, look, it works. You can get whatever you want by just tweeting angrily to people. Yeah, and I don't really think that a lot of people buy his apology. I think he said all the right words, right? Yeah. But I think that at the end of the day, my opinion is that he probably thinks what he said initially. Yeah, right? that is weird. Because, yeah, he thinks it's weird and he probably wouldn't want his kids to, to transition at the age of three or whatever yeah, it is. And, reasonable. And I think that basically everybody knows that. So he didn't regain any fans yeah. by saying all the right words because his apology was very well worded, at least in that regard. But, but I think you know the, what I mean? like, the thing is, if he didn't apologize, then those people wouldn't, stop going for blood yeah no and, i agree and, and now i think those people yeah. they don't maybe necessarily think okay you're one of us it's all good now but i think they're maybe at least less on the offensive they've they been, might just leave him alone and yeah. kind of passively ignore him instead of yeah. actively going after him we have some examples of what people were saying online though it's pretty shocking stuff um from alex berg no idea who this person is but she's verified on twitter so take 
what you will from that. Uh, Mario Lopez's suggestion that parents ought not to accept their trans kids, kids who face staggering levels of suicide, bullying, and other hurdles, is cruel. He conflated sexual orientation and gender identity, which is a pretty big tell that you don't know anything about this. Okay, so he never said that parents should yeah. not accept their trans kids. The straw man, of course. That is like yeah. an amazing straw man. What he said was, it's weird if your child says, hey, I'm this, to just be like, okay, makes yeah. sense. That is not at all, yeah, that's just really disappointing here. And that's, that's always how things are painted now. If you push back against anything trans or whatever, it's that you're a transphobe. You hate them. You want these kids to kill themselves. That's essentially what, what she's saying, that he supports trans kids, like, suicide. Yep, absolutely. And, and there's just no thought involved in any of this b besides what the orthodoxy says, right? Like, we, they don't talk about the cause of trans suicide. Why no. Why might it be? Is there, is there any mental illness involved? Or yeah. is there because or is it just because of bullying all the time? Because they've also that shown that among trans individuals, there are higher rates of things like anxiety yeah. and even like depression, depression yeah. and stuff. So it's very, I think, politically convenient to say, oh, you just need to be nicer to us and accept us in every way or else we're going to kill ourselves yeah. and it's going to be your fault. Yeah, and then not only that, they didn't, like, there's rapid onset gender dysphoria, right? Which yeah. we've talked about on the show before with... Mm -hmm. um, Deborah So. De Dr. Deborah So. Yeah, I yeah. think she's, she's discussed it before. So. Um, we have another thing here. It's uh, someone tweeted, hashtag Mario Lopez's wiki has been updated. I don't, I, I tried to check if this was actually a screenshot of his Wikipedia page. By the time I checked, it was not this. Maybe it was at some point it was fixed, but it says now in his biography, Mario Lopez Jr. is a transphobic and misogynistic American actor. Well, they, they can fix those Wikipedia changes pretty quick. Like, Wikipedia yeah. is pretty good, actually, considering all things. Um, um, but uh, yeah, but. transphobic for saying, hey, three-year-old trans kids, I don't know about that. Huge, huge. My, my favorite thing about that, edit though was that it was also grammatically incorrect yes it you was and transphobic yeah it was like well you're, on, you're a real real bright person doing that i guess <laughs> like the wikipedia edits are like what high school stuff at best yeah i think so i don't know alexandra hallaby again i don't know who this is uh she says it's unfortunate that someone and i want to say she looks no, I'm not even going to say that. I'm not going to assume any uh, sort of gender identity on behalf of her part. Uh, it, it's unfortunate that someone who isn't so involved with GLAD like Mario Lopez would be so misinformed about trans kids. I wish that he would reach out to Sarah Catelli's, not sure who that is either, for some guidance on the difference between sex and gender identity. But I mean, even here, so you admit that he's really involved with GLAD, but he's misinformed about trans kids. Why doesn't he just maybe have a different opinion than you? Why does he have to be misinformed? Well, there's only about one this. correct opinion. Yeah. It's what the science says, and that's that. Which is funny because the science does not are, say that. I know. That's I know. I'm not saying it does, yeah. but that's what they say. You know. Yeah. I mean, again, with uh, Deborah So talks about this. It's the majority of kids who describe having gender dysphoria. Um, you know, when they're five, six, seven, whatever. Um, I think it's. I don't want to say an exact number, but something shocking. Seventy, eighty percent of them go on to be cisgendered adults they don't transition so that means that if you are a three-year-old who's displaying gender dysphoria i don't even know what that would look like because i don't know how good the communication or self-awareness of a three-year-old is but odds are you will not grow up to be trans so just kind of saying oh yeah you're a girl now which i think charlie's theron has done for yes. her child uh that's not good for the child long term it's a great virtue signal seem very tolerant but for the actual child's well-being I don't know about that. And I just suspect that that kid would never have thought or said anything of that nature if they weren't exposed to all this kinds yeah. of 
pro-trans propaganda and gender unicorns or what have you, right? It wouldn't even occur to them because they're just a child. Yeah, and, and people have brought up that point, right? It, if you're just a child and there's no sort of outside influence, odds are you're going to be saying, I'm a fireman, I'm a dinosaur. You say a lot of stuff as a kid and that's fine. It's fun. You can play make-believe. None of those statements are necessarily a reflection of your gender identity. But when we introduce this ideology, then these people say, oh, okay. Wow, okay. You okay? We'll, we'll start you on the, the transition treatment right away, um, And you reward girl. their behavior, right? Like, yeah. you say, oh, that's okay. That's great. And then, and you you're know, so trendy you and popular. Yeah. You get attention for it, too. You might mm. even get, you know, these uh, interviews in sympathetic magazines. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Of course, we should love children unconditionally, right? If if someone does grow up to be trans and they did know it as, as a young child, um, don't shame them, kind of... I'm fine with them exploring that in themselves, but there's a big difference between saying, hey, uh, you know, whatever toys you want to play with, whatever friends you want to have, as long as you're, you're safe, you're happy, that's fine. And being like, all right, we're changing your name, uh, we're buying you different clothes, we're like, enrolling you in a special school, all of that stuff, that's where it crosses the line, in my opinion. And uh, I think it is safe to say that 99% of these trans kids, probably it's, it's a social factor thing, right? Yep, and I really do think so. There's a story that's pretty shocking and uh, not surprising for where we are in society. Uh, the Sun reported, and we have the article here, parents revealed both of their children are transgender and decided to transition aged five and eight. Wow. Two transgender kids in one family. That's a... Uh, I don't know what that father has, like radioactive next to his balls all the time, because there's something <laughs> wrong. Those that are is some the case. shocking you know, like, uh, statistics. Yeah, it's an anomaly. Incredible. What could be the case? No one knows. All right. So, uh, parents of two transgender children who were aged five and eight when they transitioned insist their kids are happier than ever. James was eight years old when he he told his parents he wanted to transition from female to male. He was in second grade. Like, when? why would your kid even know about this? That just proves to me you don't know how to have age-appropriate conversations. <clears throat> Olivia was four when she said she was transgender, but didn't begin socially transition and transitioning and using female pronouns until she was five and entering kindergarten. James is now waiting to begin testosterone, which would be the first permanent action he takes toward transitioning as the process would affect he, his fertility. Okay, he's eight years old. Unbelievable. Or at least he, I'm not sure if he still is, but e either way, pretty crazy. Um, ben, who I think is the kid's father, said, we are on the right side of history. I love that line. <laughs> and we are not going to allow our kids to feel shame or fear based on other people. They deserve to feel loved and accepted. We're going about this because we are listening to our children and because we are doing a lot of research, which has proven we are doing the right thing. Oh, the research that I've done has told me that I'm doing the right thing. So that's yeah. okay then. And hey, we have the name pseudo-intellectual. Yeah, on. that's our thing. Yeah, what the heck? But this, this is so funny. Like, we are listening to our children. Did your eight-year-old tell you that he wants to start on testosterone? There's no prompting, no coaching. He just naturally was like, you know what? I want some testosterone as most eight-year-olds do ponder at some point. I want to compete in the Olympics with women. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will love and accept them if they come to us tomorrow and say they've changed their mind, Sarah said, and we will love and accept them if they don't. Again, that's that's great that you love your kids, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't care. You're, you are obviously playing a role in this, and in my opinion, this is child abuse. And I know I tend to go really hard on topics involving children. If you've seen last week's episode with the whole pedophilia thing, you'll know that. 
But, like, look, if, if I end up being smeared as the person who's against three-year-olds transitioning and pedophilia, I'm okay with that. I am comfortable with that being my reputation. Um, gosh, and we have one more little segment to add on to this because... Oh, this was funny. Yeah, this is, this is confusing. So I just feel like in Hollywood, everyone's either trans or they have trans children now. Yeah, and we're about to descend into the realm of tabloid gossip. That's a disclaimer. Like this is the, we're about. Well, this about isn't to go gossip. The, I think this has actually happened. Um. Yeah. Sort of. Anyways, we'll get okay, into. Okay, we'll get into. Okay, sure. so uh, according to Closer, an outlet I've never heard of, Caitlyn Jenner's shock baby news. I can't wait to be a mom at seventy. So there's a lot going on here. Uh, their relationship, Closer reports, has gone from strength to strength since they were first spot, spotted together in 2017, with Caitlyn Jenner rarely being seen without Sophia Hutchins, who she's referred to as her partner, despite neither of the transgender icons ever officially confirming their romance. And with reports the pair are set to marry, insiders tell Closer how 69-year-old Caitlyn, who has six biological children and four stepchildren, may soon celebrate an 11th child with the 22-year-old Sophia, who was also born a man. A source says Caitlyn and Sophia have spoken about starting a family together for the last year or so, and while Caitlyn's already got 10 children, she's never had the chance to bring up a child in the role of a mother, which she's always dreamed of doing. Sophia's also longing to become a mum, and Kate knows how important that is to her. They've decided to hire a surrogate to carry their much long for baby. So we have a 69-year-old trans woman in a relationship with a 22-year-old trans woman you got that yep and uh they are going to be parents yep they're gonna yes. rent a womb and mm -hmm. raise the children i believe a nanny will be involved from what i was reading but uh i mean the relationship in itself like i can't even imagine that kind of relationship existing well because yeah you okay there are like, several things here all right yeah. the age difference alone 47 like, years that's that impressive. doesn't make me a transphobe to say that's weird that's mm. weird yeah Okay, and then just, like, 69 and wanting to become a parent, like, that's too old. There's just so much about this. Sometimes... To, to be a mom, you Yeah, know? defending Western societies is hard. Like, it is hard. Yeah, like, I yeah. love freedom, but, I mean, it's hard sometimes. You know what? I get, I get that image. Have you ever seen that Family Guy scene where Peter Griffin tries to breastfeed Stewie oh. in an episode? That's, that's, that's the imagery I'm getting right yeah. now. Yeah. No, that's not too far off. Um, so, yeah, this is the state of modern Hollywood... Too bad for Mario Lopez, disappointed in him, and I wish Caitlyn Jenner and uh, Mrs. Caitlyn Jenner all the best, I suppose. I don't even know anymore. All right, Tulsi's lawsuit. This is a little bit more of a happy story. Yeah, Actually, th this one's yeah, good. Last week, you promised people that we were going to have a more upbeat story, and yeah. for me, this is our upbeat story. <laughs> this makes me pretty happy. Well, we cover a lot of like this kind of big tech news sort of mm -hmm. stuff because we're directly involved in it in a lot of ways yeah, this, being independent media on yeah. youtube right i mean i i have no shame in saying i care about this because it affects me personally but also other people well i think it's but definitely us i mean we care about it, i guess more because it is our livelihood yeah. but it's actually like like legitimately a massive massive issue well and this, this is why i love this news because we've been talking about tech censorship for literally i think years now it's at least over a year yeah. we've been making videos about this you're probably tired of hearing about it in some degree I'm tired but of we talking need to we need to yeah frankly i wish it was just done but it's still happening so we still need to talk about it yeah um so tulsi gabbard 
I'm a pretty big fan of her as a person. Just, um, you know, there's politically a lot I don't agree with her with. She's quite far left, especially in terms of domestic policy. But otherwise, I think she's, you know, a good public servant, a, an example of what it means to love your country. And she's, she's, I think, been pretty unifying in her campaign so far. But she's now suing Google. And here's what Fox News reports on it. Quote, Democratic presidential contender Tulsi Gabbard announced Thursday she is suing Google for alleged election interference, claiming the tech giant suspended her campaign's Google Ads account just after the first Democratic presidential primary debate. Gabbard, a military veteran and congresswoman from Hawaii, is an outsider candidate who has often been at odds with her fellow progressives. Google's discriminatory actions against my campaign are reflective of how dangerous their complete dominance over internet search is and how the increasing dominance of big tech companies over our public discourse threatens our core American values, Gabbard said in a statement. This is a threat to free speech, fair elections, and to our democracy, and I intend to fight back on behalf of all Americans. Yes, queen, slay. Okay, specifically, Gabbard claimed that multiple news reports indicated she was the most searched candidate on Google following the first Democratic primary debate on June 26. Then, without any explanation, Google suspended Tulsi Google, Tulsi's Google ad, Ads account, her office said in a statement that called the move arbitrary and capricious. Big tech's dominance represents a clear and present danger to our democracy, the team said. And in a statement to Fox News, Google acknowledged that Gabbard's account had been suspended by its internal system, but denied Gabbard's charges. We have automated systems that flag unusual activity on all advertisers' advertiser accounts, including large spending changes, in order to prevent fraud and protect our customers, a Google spokesperson said. In this case, our system triggered a suspicious... A, suspe a suspension, sorry, and the account was reinstated shortly thereafter. We are proud to offer ad products that help campaigns connect directly with voters, and we do so without bias toward any party or political ideology, they said to nobody's belief. Yeah, they say that every time, right? Yeah. All, all the big tech that say, well, we, we're telling you that we don't have any bias, and you should believe us because we told you. Yeah, exactly. Despite all of these separate incidents yes. kind of indicating we have bias a specific way. And that's the thing, like, I think a lot of the independent media that have been talking about big tech censorship for a long time tend to be right-leaning. And so I think there's this instinct among a lot of left-wing people that this is a right-wing conspiracy theory. Yep. I, there's been enough evidence to say, I don't think so, this is actually happening, but I think people on the left really need to start paying attention to this more because they're going after not just conservatives, right? It doesn't mm. matter if you're left-wing or a liberal. If you go against mainstream status progressive quo. status quo, yeah. right, they're, they're, going, they're going to go after you. That's why we Absolutely. see people like Tulsi Gabbard having to deal with this. Who's far more moderate than all of her counterparts, basically. Mm -hmm. And especially yeah. she's more anti-establishment when yes. it comes to things like uh, foreign wars and stuff like that. Um, people like David Pakman have also had trouble with Google and uh, Tim Pool. So this, they're not just going after conservatives i think it's fair to say that if you're conservative you have a special target on your back but this this affects more people and i'm so glad that she's bringing attention to this i i don't think she's gonna win i don't know but but the more hubbub there is about all this kind of situation mm -hmm. about trump having you know events at the white house talking about all this technology and everything going on i think that this is great news really yeah do. No, it, it, it is. And the thing is, she is totally justified in this because yeah. the amount of attention you get um, after those debates, it's huge. And 
And the timing is just so... That's, it's, it's so bad. Having those ads, when yeah. people were searching for her about the debate, being able to target those people specifically, she could have gotten more donations. She could have gotten more yep. supporters in general and directed them back to her site. Like, there is an actual monetary cost that Google has right. inflicted upon her. And n not just a cost, but a general public support she could have been able to muster. So this, I think she's absolutely correct in saying, is election interference. Mm -hmm. And... This isn't just an American issue. By the way, Google is an American co company. Tulsi Gabbard is American. Um, but if if you are someone who cares about free and fair elections, open information, doesn't matter where you are, you should care about this. All right. Um, in Ireland, Google was accused of deranking and blacklisting pro-life content leading up to Ireland's election on abortion, okay? In the UK, just earlier this year, campaign accounts for Tommy Robinson and Carl Benjamin, Sargon of Akkad, uh, which were not run by the individuals themselves, they were banned by Twitter, okay? In Canada, Twitter has also recently suspended official PPC accounts. That's the People's Party of Canada. It's our uh, right-leaning libertarian party. So it, it doesn't matter where you're from. This is a problem for everybody. Um, and what's so funny is that I get people who don't like me sometimes saying stuff like, if I, if I talk about American politics, you're not a U.S. citizen, shut up. And it's funny because I, I even get stuff like that when I talk about cultural issues. Yeah. You know, like I'll do a video about gender and they'll be like, you're not American, stop talking about American politics. And it's like, we have gender in Canada too? Like, I don't know. Um... So, and everything bleeds over. We're so close. And exactly. the whole world, you know, we're all interconnected. But America is, is the center well, that's of the, the world thing. culturally. Like, the BBC, which is British state-run news, RT, Russian news, CBC, Canada, Canadians, uh, state-run enterprise, they all talk about American politics because news is news. It affects everybody. You'd be naive to think that it doesn't. And, uh, I mean, also, people will talk about whatever they want. But if you're so protective... Uh, of your political process that you don't even want non-citizens to comment, voice their opinions about what's going on. How can you be okay with a multinational company like Google that has no allegiance to any country that is run by foreign nationals from all over the place? Pays zero taxes in Ireland. Exactly. Having this much control over elections worldwide. That will never make sense to me. Never mind. It's it's considered election interference for the Russians to buy Facebook ads, but it's not election interference for Facebook to just ban Trump supporters en masse. Yeah. Makes no and, sense. And play with the algorithm to do it even more mm -hmm. under the cover. Exactly. Um, so another thing that I like about Tulsi Gabbard is her willingness to talk to people who disagree with her. And speaking of that, yes. she was actually recently on Tucker Carlson, not her first appearance on his she's show, been on I there, don't think. She's been on there multiple times, yeah. even within the past week, I think. So, mm -hmm. yeah, she's yeah, been on there she, quite a bit. She was on there recently to talk about this lawsuit, why she's doing it, and what she thinks the implications are for the United States if Google continues on unchecked. Here's the bottom line. This is really about the unchecked power that these big tech monopolies have over our public discourse and how this is a real threat to our freedom of speech and to our fair election. So this really isn't about me. It's about taking action on behalf of the American people, because we've got to understand here that if Google can do this to me as a sitting member of Congress running for the highest office in the land, then that means they can do this to any candidate running for any office anywhere in this country and, frankly, to any person in this country. I... I really respect what Tulsi's doing here, but just in general, 
She reminds me of a quainter time where you could disagree with a politician on, you know, X, Y, or Z, but still think that they're a good person, they love their country, they embody American values. I don't think we really see that anymore that often, which is why she's she's refreshing to me. One side's racist, the other side's socialist, and there's nobody in between. So, and I've I've kind of found that even just watching different commentators across the board, um, the independent media figures that I follow, they seem to really be into Tulsi, um, even if they don't like agree with her domestic policies which is she, she's quite far left she was a bernie supporter um mm-hmm. but yeah and it's, when she says things like she would put her life on the line essentially to defend someone else's free speech that's not something we hear from other democrats which is too bad because this shouldn't be a left versus right issue and so, i mean her saying that as a veteran i think it carries a like an special amount of weight yeah absolutely uh, yeah for sure so i mean i think uh, actually her time for debate is actually tonight yeah. As we're having this show. Um, 8 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Eastern? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. So uh, maybe in next week's show, we'll have a little bit of a rundown how she's performed. But That's right. But also, stay tuned. We've got good stuff coming, you know? Yeah. Don't go don't go run away to go watch those debates quite yet. They don't really start until 9 p.m. Until I 9, think, right? right. So, so, so stay here first. Watch yes, us first. Yeah. Um, especially considering our next segment is about age of consent laws. Little bit more of a touchy subject. Finally, um, somewhere where I'm libertarian. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, uh, well, that's the thing. I mean, Con- age of consent laws are something that's come up kind of online pretty recently. I hear, um, you know, well, people talk about it from a libertarian perspective. I've seen threads on Reddit and 4chan talking about this. This is one of those topics that the internet loves to discuss. I don't know if it's because it relates to sex. I think a lot of it is a meme just, too. You know? I would hope it's a meme. Um, although to be fair, most of what I see people talking about isn't abolishing it entirely, but they think it should be moved around anyway. Alan Dershowitz, uh, you may have heard of him before. Uh, we'll explain exactly who he is in just a second, but he's under fire for tweeting out some questionable things about age of consent laws. Um, and, So anyone trying to substantially lower or get rid of age of consent laws, I'm going to be very, very suspicious of. Yeah. Definitely, at the very least, not going to agree with you, but it's a little bit of a red flag for me. But what makes him saying this worse, Alan Dershowitz, is that he actually has connections to Epstein, who, as you know, has a little bit of a penchant for younger women, allegedly. I think I have yeah, to Yeah, I mean, that's not even term I would use, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is what Vox has to say about the issue. Um, when Jeffrey Epstein found out in 2005 that he was being investigated by police for sexual abuse of underage girls, he called Alan Dershowitz. A Harvard Law School professor and high-profile defense lawyer, Dershowitz helped negotiate a non-prosecution agreement. How is that even an option for being accused of sexually abusing underage girls? I do not understand. Money. I guess. It must be. Under which Epstein served just 13 months in a county jail, much of it spent on work release in an office. Ever since details of that agreement were reported by Julie K. Brown of the Miami Herald, Dershowitz and his role in the deal have been under added scrutiny. That only increased this week with the publication of a New Yorker story by reporter Connie Brook detailing not just Dershowitz's role in defending Epstein, but also allegations by two women who say they were directed to have sex with Dershowitz while in Epstein's orbit. Dershowitz vehemently denies both allegations. 
Despite widespread attention to his role in the Epstein case and a defamation suit from one of his accusers, Dershowitz has no intention of laying low. For instance, he continues to publicly criticize age of consent laws, most recently on Twitter earlier this week. Um, it continues, a former Harvard student told Brooke that in class he had convoluted ways of thinking about how men could misinterpret lack of consent, and it wasn't relegated to when we were speaking about a rape case. Wherever we were on the syllabus, he would bring it up. So just, he sounds like a great guy, not at all sketchy. Um, another student said that at one point, a female classmate raised her hand and said, essentially, okay, enough rape examples. There are women in this class who have been raped. Can we move on to something else? Dershowitz told Vox he taught about rape in exact proportion to the amount it came up in the casebook. He said that some events the former students described didn't happen like a student saying there was too much discussion of rape. However, he said there were always a small group of students who didn't like the way I taught rape because I didn't tow any lines. If students he were had demonstrations and everything, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. If students were afraid to challenge orthodoxies, he said, he would have had to do it himself. He added that he also brought in prosecutors who handled rape cases to present their expertise. In 1997, Dershowitz argued against statutory rape laws, saying the age of consent should be 15. Breck reports... There must be criminal sanctions against sex with very young children. Oh, just the very young one. Otherwise, mm. it's game, yeah. But it is doubtful whether such sanctions should apply to teenagers above the age of puberty since voluntary sex is so common in their age group. Oh, so if, if, if the kids are doing it amongst themselves, might as well invite the adults. Dershowitz stands by his argument today, tweeting earlier this week that, quote, if a 16-year-old has the constitutional right to have an abortion without state or parental interference... <laughs> That's already questionable. How could she not have the constitutional right to engage in consensual sex? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I understand his line of logic in that last one, at least, but it's all it's all about that first statement being true, the first premise. Yeah, but that's the thing. And like, it's like, even if that is the case, it shouldn't be the case. Yeah, right? so whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, you would have to have a very loose kind of liberal, I would say even metaphorical uh, interpretation of the Constitution to believe that it allows or guarantees 16-year-olds the right to abortions without their parents' knowledge. Um, Again, like whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, Roe versus Wade as a whole was very, very poorly justified was not a good ruling. If you want to know more about it, like what it specifically says, the uh, argumentation that was provided for that decision, I recommend Matt Christensen's video about it. He does a great job breaking everything down. Um, so trying to apply Roe versus Wade to not just women having a constitutional guaranteed right to privacy for abortion, but then saying, oh, also 16-year-olds and their parents can intervene. Like you are, you are taking some leaps, my friend. And then trying to apply that, oh, so they should also be able to have sex with adults. That's just, that's a lot. You're saying a lot of things. And uh, yeah, it's, it would be one thing if he were just a random person, but that's what people on Twitter were replying to him when he tweeted this out. Like, you are under a lot of scrutiny right now for your involvement with Jeffrey Epstein. Is his first name Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah. yeah. Um, This is probably not the best argument to be bringing up right now. It just, it's... In a, it seems suspect. Maybe if you get some laws passed before. Well, yeah, walking, then, you know? then, you know, we can do an ex post facto thing. Oh, what he did wasn't illegal. Yeah. I got your back. It's just it's just really strange. Yeah. Um, more generally, though, OK, let's talk about age of consent laws. I think 16 to 18, depending on the state, is what it is yeah, in I, the U.S. I think and it's similar here. It, in yes, Canada. 16 in yeah. Canada. And I think a lot of places also have uh, those Romeo and Juliet laws where. Yes. 
So, you know, if someone is 15, but they do it with a 17-year-old, it's okay. Which, I, I personally, I think it should be no less than 18, but I do think those laws are important to protect. I, I agree like with a those 19, laws. A 19-year-old doing it with his 17-year-old girlfriend, what that's, like... Yeah, like that, your, your birthday hits. Exactly. And then, uh, I, all of a sudden you're criminal. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think those yeah. laws are important. Um, but the point of age of consent laws is that children, minors, they don't have the mental faculties, right? They're not intellectually capable of contemplating the rational decision-making that needs to go into giving someone consent for sex. And to me, that premise makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't really consent if you're drunk, uh, under the influence of drugs. You can't consent if you're passed out, if you're mentally challenged. You can't consent either. So it stands to reason that if, you know, you have a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old who doesn't understand all of the biological, social, emotional, just physical ramifications of sex that they wouldn't be able to consent to such a thing. Makes perfect sense to me. What do you think about the argument from authority as well? Yeah. Like someone that has power over you. You can adult, exploit that. You can manipulate them, do things like them. that. So and that's easier to do with someone younger than you. Do you also buy that with among adults? Well, I think um, one of the reasons why I think that argument is interesting because we've done a video a while ago about... Um, like kissing cousins. There was a Dr. Phil episode. Oh, that's right. Uh, people were trying to legalize marrying your cousin. I'm not talking about like second cousin, third, like no, your actual just cousin. Um, I think the authority thing is a very important thing to talk about because in, in families, there are those, I guess, authoritarian leanings between like, let's say a mom and a, a son, or perhaps even an older family member and a younger family member, where even if the parties are both adults, that relationship dynamic is still not equal yeah. and therefore is still vulnerable to involve coercion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the only place where I think age of consent, this is not even really age of consent, I don't think, but where I think the whole issue of children and sex needs to be examined from a maybe more liberal sense is that there are actually cases of teenagers sending nudes to their boyfriend or girlfriend and then being prosecuted with uh, child pornography. Yeah, that, that seems... So that, I agree, is a problem. And I think mm. that's an area where the law hasn't caught up to what kids are doing. And kids, if you're watching this, I'm not saying you should send nudes. Absolutely <laughs> not. That is not the moral of the story. I just think that, you know, if you are, let's say a 16-year-old and the girlfriend you have who is the same age sent you a bad picture. Well, lo and behold, you're, you're a girl and you get sent a, a, like a, an unsolicited, unsolicited yeah, uh, dick pic. You from know? A, a classmate who's also your age. Right. Not condoning any of this, by the way. Bad behavior. You kids shouldn't do that. But I don't think you should be, I don't know, held on child pornography charges for that. So Absolutely. that's the only place where I'm like, maybe we can think about this a lot. But at 15, that is so young for an age of consent. And I was actually looking worldwide about what the different laws are. Um, it's as young as 11 and 12 in some countries. Is it 12? I think Mexico is officially are, 12, but there's a lot of caveats. Yeah, I think, I think right? there are. It depends on the, I want to say province, the, the area that you're in could be... Mm. Could be higher, but yeah, so 12, that's just outrageously low. That's, that's insane. That, that's yeah. in, in, insanity. I think the highest one that I saw was Bahrain, which is 21. Interesting. That's And well, what I think is interesting is that we have nowadays, I think the push is more and more to lower age of consent laws. Yeah. But everything that we've seen in studying the development of the human brain. So that you're less developed. Exactly. Leads us yeah. to believe that human cognitive development actually finishes later than we thought. 
Yeah, so. I think 18 is like an arbitrary number that we really haven't gotten rid of since we've used to enlist. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, war, I think you know? for all of these things, um, I, I I think that maybe there's an argument to be made that hey, being able to vote and drive and drink, they don't all necessarily all have to have the same magical age. That's true. Right? I think it's very reasonable to say like, hey, um, you know, you can have a beer at this age, but if you want to take out, let's say, hundreds of thousand dollars worth of debt, maybe you wait to be a bit older. I think it makes sense to have kind of examine things on a case by case basis. But I basis. think once you're able to vote, you should be able, you should have all your rights by then. Yeah, because you know I, that's what I, mean? what I think voting is the biggest responsibility. Yep. Because it doesn't affect just you, it affects your entire country. And you're also a full citizen at that point. So you mm -hmm. should, yeah, you should have all your faculties by then, definitely. Yeah, I so think it should be so. kind of the, the graduation. Yeah. So, to speak. so, I mean, like, if anything, I think age of consent, like, yeah, places but, like 16, that's young. I'd say let's go a little bit higher. He is. No, no, I like that idea, but but my only issue is that laws are only laws if people follow them. And I don't know, upping upping age of consent to twenty one or something like that. I see a lot of people probably just not not following along. So well, I think what uh when I I think probably eighteen is fine for a general age of consent, but what I think should be higher, and I feel actually very strongly about this, is that in usually if you're able to consent to sex like at eighteen, you can be in pornography. I think 18 is too young to be in pornography. Um, I recently watched a documentary called Hot Girls Wanted. And watching those girls, it's just pornography, it's forever, right? You can't yeah. delete it from the internet. Um, you're not consenting to just one person and in one point in time. You're consenting to your image being out there forever. So personally, I think it might make sense to even have uh, different laws regarding just... Uh, regular sex and being involved in pornography because i mean i was watching those 18 year old girls i'm like oh like you are young and you are making a lot of choices that are going to affect how your life plays out yeah. so and I'm, I'm only a few years older than 18 year olds but i i do not think of them now as people that make fully rational decisions at no, all right like I, totally... I look at 18 year olds and i'm like oh you are a baby yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely so anyway, um, Dershowitz not getting a lot of love on the internet lately. I can absolutely explain it. And I was actually kind of um, comforted by the amount of scorn I saw him getting. Just like people realize, yeah. like, hey, this is a creepy guy. It seems very self-serving. A lot of connect the dots going on. Yeah, with and... the whole Epstein yeah. thing. And uh, a lot of people were also like, like, we were just now kind of questioning his entire premise. It's like, well, if a 16-year-old can get an abortion with her parents, it's like... But should she be able to do, like, you've made an assumption there? Anyway, um, gosh, that's just like a whole It almost seems like a better circle. argument against abortion than anything else, right? Yeah. It's like, because then we'd have to allow them to also have, have sex, sex at that age. So. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Creepy, creepy. All right, so the Democrat debate, or at least the, they do them rounds. Now we are on the second round of debates. And yeah. the first one was yesterday. Second one is tonight. So yesterday we had people like, let's see, Sanders was there, Warren was there, Klobuchar, Marianne, Willens, Marianne Williamson. Um, let's see. Gosh, there was like a whole bunch of people. I didn't recognize a good portion of them, frankly. There were, I'm, I'm going to be honest, yeah. there were a lot of older white males who I was not very, very familiar with, who kind of blended in together. This and that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I am <clears throat> not inclined to support left-wing policies, but I wanted to start off this conversation with stuff that I agreed with. Because I think that, that, you know, 
crossing the aisle and stuff. Okay, so I like that people uh, were talking a lot about tackling lobbyists and, uh, you know, trying to get Amazon to pay their fair share. I am... Yeah, I agree with both those things. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm good with that, especially like Amazon. I, I don't see them paying zero federal taxes as like a, yeah, this is capitalism. That's crony capitalism, right? Absolutely. They should have to pay as much taxes as the mom and pop businesses. They shouldn't get preferential treatment over people who are just trying to start out. That's absolutely ridiculous. I think it was Warren Buffett that said at one point that his secretary was paying higher tax rate than he was. Yeah, like, that, you know, that like I that, think that, may that's... have been debunked because I think okay. he might have been talking about capital gains and capital gains are actually taxed twice. Anyway, so that, that, that I'm not sure but, uh, yeah. of. But yeah, I mean, like... I The reality is if you have a lot of money, there's a lot of availabilities for you to... There are not loopholes get taxed. And, like, of yeah, loopholes. That, that Simplify the tax code at the end of the day. That's what you mm -hmm. got to do. And, and, and I just hate the idea that big organizations who have more money to spend on lobbyists get special treatment. Not to mention these organizations have a lot of overlap with the, with the tech industry, which mm -hmm. is basically, you know, trying to control this conversation in a lot of ways. Exactly. So, you know, um, people like Elizabeth Warren were talking about that. Sanders even talked about that a little bit. I am, yes, let's do that. Support that 100%. Um, also people were talking a lot about trying to fix healthcare. I don't think there's anybody at all anywhere that looks at America's healthcare system and thinks, yes, perfect <laughs> as, and you see that like Republicans want to change it. Democrats want to change it. Nobody is happy with the current system right now. So yeah. I, 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 as a Canadian, I'm quite happy with your system. Because I've got my socialized healthcare, and if it's not fast enough, we go down to the states and pay. So it's like the benefits and, of both worlds. And not only that, but you guys pay for all the pharmaceutical research. Yeah. So, which is all related, right? Mm -hmm. um, because the insurance companies and what have you. But the, so we're benefiting massively from your guys' situation. Yeah, but and then they take I would all like you to. They take all of our doctors. That's also true. You do yeah. take. Yeah, they, all they of our take doctors. all of our doctors to the point where I have to pay to see yeah. a private doctor because their wait lists are so dang long. So, so we have doctors that get essentially socialized education you know we mm -hmm. pay through, through taxes subsidized yeah. and then they they have to i think be a doctor here for like a minimum of five years or something like that mm -hmm. and then they and then, pack poof. up go to the states you get a lot of french last name doctors down yeah. there sort of thing um you jerks i resent that but in any case all right so there was a lot of trump hating in the debate last night and like of course when you're running against someone you're going to go hard against them attack their policies that's normal that's any election but like between bernie and warren especially they went hard on trump disgrace liar bigot sexist and it's it's shocking to me how mainstream and accepted it is to just say those things about oh, of course your your president because i mean i am very critical of someone like justin trudeau i'm not gonna call him like a, a, a racist or anything like that. I, I even defended him I feel like I'd call him some names, to be honest. I think I should call him some names. <laughs> I don't like him. Would, would you call him that if you were running against him for political office? I would definitely bounce him out a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. I would. I hope, is, I hope that... It's I hope so that, shocking, the, the, the way that political discourse has gone. And we actually, we have yeah, this... Yeah, well, there's a limit to it. You got to be, you got to be a little bit, you know, have some tact with it, but you still got to, you want to get him into one of those muttering moments. Right, but Absolutely. I mean, they're just straight out calling him a bigot, liar, yeah. sexist, racist. Like, where's the tact in that? And actually, it's, it's, we have this gem from Don Lemon, who was doing a very good job being a, a neutral moderator. <laughs> a journalist. Yeah, from CNN. What do you say to those Trump voters who prioritize the economy over the president's bigotry? <laughs> I, I love that. It's, it's not even like, is is Trump bigoted? It's like, no, what, what do you think of the voters who overlook his objective yes. bigotry? I love that too. And I, even like, and I frankly, I think it's a bad argument. First place, if someone's a bigot, that's a really bad thing to be. 
but I, I would definitely place the entire economy, which everybody's life depends on, yes, over, over the present being like, even, a loudmouth. You know? Yeah, even if he, he was iffy yeah. with the POC, right? Right, which I don't think he is. Which I don't think he is. All, but Objectively speaking, he, black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment, Asian American unemployment, those are at historic lows. So we'd rather be poor or, or poor just yeah. in general and... Have, have someone you, have tell us that like, they're being nice to us. Yeah. yeah. I'm on you know? board with you. Then have someone who says ridiculous things, but objectively we have money in the bank, food on the table. I have a job. Things are going well. So that's, yeah. that I thought was kind of ridiculous. You know, I really can't wait till one of these people gets on a stage with Trump because if they're talking the way that, that those two are talking, he's going to, he's going to crush them. Oh, he, he is. Absolutely. He's is. way better at that than they are. Yeah. He's you know, they're all trying to play his Joe, game. Pocahontas. Actually, no, he said he can't call her Pocahontas anymore because she's not actually Native American. Oh, that's true. Um, but what I thought was so interesting is that there was, you know, there were people who were up there, people like uh, Ryan, Bullock, and uh, let's see, Hickenlooper, I think it is, that... Yeah. Delaney, I actually came away thinking like, oh, yeah, you know, you guys are, you're Democrats, but you're not Crazy. insane. Yeah. You're just like regular left-wing people. Right? No, but they were not getting the applause. And you can even tell from the moderators they weren't getting as much speaking time. Yeah, that, like, Sanders that, and Warren really dominated the debate. Yes. Yeah. The moderator would cut them off very quickly, very abruptly. Yeah. While the other ones would be like, okay, Bernie. And then Bernie would just continue yeah. on. And then another and then, little gentle prompting. Right. Actually, that was something that I get stressed at watching those debates because nobody listens to the time limit no. or the moderators. It's like it's anxiety central for me because it's like, guys, stop. It's chaos. And, yeah. And it's but it's such a horrible system. I don't know how you do it better because you have so many Democratic candidates right yeah. now. You kind of have to do this. But just the idea that you have like these massive questions right mm -hmm. these questions about like a, a huge ginormous policy that's central yeah, to the so 2020 campaign so how would campaign. you do healthcare you have one minute yeah 45 like, and then they start getting at the watch and yeah. counting you down you know it's which like, is and even um so sean who runs the channel actual justice warrior on youtube he's great you should check out his videos finger guns finger guns nice. that's my finger enthusiasm toward Sean. Nice. Um, so he did a video about this and he kind of brought up the point that the way the debates are structured, there's so many people, but right now they have it where Sanders and Warren, who are like number two and three in polls, they're not in the same debate as Biden, who's number yeah. one. And I think a lot Super of weird. people would want to see how they interact with each other because Warren and Sanders are very similar on things like healthcare or immigration, whereas Biden's a bit more establishment, um, less progressive, I guess, like far left. And I mean, maybe it's that they don't want to feel like the other candidates overlooked. It's just, it's a very, it's such a saturated field. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk a bit more about healthcare though. And I, by the way, I, we've gotten requests to do videos on things like healthcare, but it's it's such a complex oh. topic. It's don't make me even, research that, please. Yeah, I can't even imagine how you could like fit that no. into to ten or fifteen minutes. And also, we would get like ten thousand views. Like, yeah, you know, well, that's people the, don't really like those videos. Yeah, that's, we like them, sort of. You that's know, the uh, funny thing. I've had people say, "Why don't you do more like policy-heavy videos?" And it's because they take longer, but they people don't watch them. Which we we, we still yeah. will do them. Um, the next policy video we're working on is immigration. Right. Um, we're still gonna do them, but it, you know, from a cost-benefit analysis, people just aren't that interested. But you know what's funny is that if you ask people, they'll say they're more interested in the heavier videos. Yes. And then, and then they won't but watch. But views them. don't lie, you guys. That's yeah. why I use to do polls like what videos would you prefer but then i stopped doing that because it's like i realized oh 
You guys are trying to seem smart, but you want to hear about <laughs> Bella Thorne's nudes. I get you. I understand it. Um, okay, so healthcare. Um, what I thought was interesting is that pretty much every nominee out up there referred to healthcare as a human right. Yes. And there's something so socialized medicine. Not a huge fan, but I think you have to realize even if you do want a universal system, single payer. Referring to something as a human right rather than just a government service puts you in a very specific position, mm -hmm. right? Um, so let's say public transit. Public transit is something that, at least in I think most cities, uh, the government provides. It's not a, it runs. It's it's not a private company and it's taxpayer subsidized, but it's not a right. So you still have to pay for it at least a little bit, and they have they reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. They can kick you off if you're being rowdy, not paying, whatever. When you call something a human right. You aren't able to withhold it from people. And I think this is important to mention in regard to immigration because people like Bernie have said they think that illegal immigrants should get health care. A lot of Democrats have at this point. And it's like, well, when you start talking about health care as a human right, you, you kind of have to be of that opinion because you legally cannot... Um, withhold human right rights from illegal immigrants, right? That's why even if uh, an illegal immigrant is detained, you can't just start waterboarding them or, or anything like that because right. they still have human rights. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's definitely a language thing where they're talking about human rights, but the way that they write it into law will probably not be as such. I, I don't know. You know. If they do, because there's even like, problems. Again, I mean, there are people who are like people like Bernie, they're coming out and saying, no, illegal immigrants should be able to have access to health care. And um, I forget who it was, but someone was it Tim Ryan said in regard to like Bernie's free health care for illegals that like, hey, hang on, you know, Americans still have to play, pay for their health care. I don't think it's crazy to ask illegal immigrants to pay for health care. Zero. <laughs> I class. Saw that. Yeah, yeah I know. nothing. And what was frustrating for me watching this, uh, you know, I'm, I've lived in Canada, I've lived in the UK, I've lived in Hong Kong. These are all places that do have single-payer systems. I know a, a bit about how those systems work. Obviously, I'm not an expert, not, neither of any of those people up on the stage, I think, anyway. But um, I think one of them said that he, he actually used to work in the healthcare profession. But Bernie talked a lot about how in Canada this, in Canada this, let's be more like Canada... What he's suggesting is nothing like Canada. So in Canada, there's public health care, like single-payer government, but you can also buy private health insurance. And there's a lot of things that aren't covered yeah, by public. Absolutely. A lot of Dental things. is not covered is a big one, for yeah. example. No one... Um, you know, if covered. you want to go see a nutritionist, there are a lot of different oh. things. And it, it differs from province to province, right? Yeah. Each province is in charge of handling their own healthcare system. So I, I look at Bernie Sanders saying, no private health insurance, federal system, let's be like Canada. Oh, you know what I found? It is covered, do, actually. Do you know what Canada's like? Sorry, go ahead. Right. Uh, I mean, we did, we did find out recently that Canada does cover transition uh, mm -hmm. trans yeah. <laughs> transition yeah. Uh, surgery, which I thought was uh, Interesting. a great I mean, thing. at this point, it only affects, I'm guessing, very few people, so I don't... Yeah, but, you but, know, he wants to be like us. I yeah, guess. he That's wants to be on. like us. Um, yeah, so that was, I mean, I feel like if you're going to be advocating to be like another country, you should at least get it right what the other country functions like. Yeah. And, and never mind that. Um, people like... Warren were also saying it seemed like they don't want any uh, private option. If we look at the countries that have the most efficient healthcare systems, places like Hong Kong, Singapore, 
both of which I've lived in, um, or even places like uh, Japan ranks highly as well, or Spain, I, I was kind of looking at the comparisons. All of them have a couple of things in common. Again, I'm not a fan of socialized medicine, single-payer systems, but if you want something that at least functions and doesn't destroy your country, I think you have to do a couple of things, right? You have to have borders, right? Because the way that single-payer systems work is that people pay in for the people who can, who can't, right? It's it's a redistributive mm-hmm. system, right? So the, the the people who say there are so many poor people in America who don't have health care, we need a, a single-payer system. I, I'm sorry, but that is exactly why a single-payer system will not work. America, I think, has too many poor people to make it work. Even Canada, uh, certain provinces, the ones that do have a more diverse population, they're the ones where the healthcare systems are struggling because there's not enough people paying in compared to how many people are taking it out. Yeah. Um, also, uh, places like Canada, Hong Kong, Singapore, like even Spain, these are all countries where you do have that private option. And I think that's that's important for people who want to be able to have faster care. I think that was a ruling in Canada that the wait times were too long, so they had to give people the option. Um, but also, it also just encourages more, I think, competition among the hospitals and more mm-hmm. efficiency to have that option. And, and another thing is that decentralized systems. So again, having this, uh, I don't understand why Americans are talking about this really on a federal level Yes. because I can't think of another country that really does it this way. So it's like, if you're going to go down the route of wanting a single payer system, I would think you would look at the countries where it's working and learn lessons from that. But apparently they're just not, they're just like, whatever, we'll just do whatever we feel will work right and even i don't think there's ever been an example of a country like america with with the variables that america has been a massive yes. country massive extremely country. diverse extremely diverse in terms of amount of income earned mm-hmm. and education yeah. and a porous border frankly and that's why even uh, i think dana lash is the reporter she asked bernie so you know you're offering free immigrate sorry free health care and free college for illegal immigrants won't that just incentivize people to come? That's right. Yeah. Fair point, I, I think. And his his only response was, no, it won't matter because we'll have strong border controls. But then he doesn't list any of the strong border controls. So it's like, and then in, in, right in the next sentence, he goes on to criticize Trump for being racist. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, how would you enforce the border? Which apparently you have to because you're attracting people like flies. And I'm sorry, but you can say you're going to have a strong border if you're still saying to people, but once you get here, free health care and free college, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Right. It's, it's not yeah. really a, a repelling people. It's just like, OK, it's going to be hard to get here. <laughs> but if you do, oh, it's going to be good. If you do one year of that education, it might be worth your entire like. Mm-hmm. Especially l- since l- they like I think they're all pretty much in favor of a path to citizenship. So it's like, right, what, exactly. What possible, I don't know, border controls would you support that would override this? Um, so I think the overall theme that I saw, at least, was that the main candidates in general, like they're so, so far left. I mean, they're talking about things. Canada is a pretty left-wing country. Even our conservative party, they're... Well, they're called the progressive conservatives, Yeah, actually. progressive So that should tell you what you need to know. Yeah, they're still like center-left, I would say. Yeah, they're fiscally conservative more than anything. And even then, well, relative to Canada, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, you know, center, center-left, depending mm-hmm. on the issue. Um, so to see... Democrats now, at least the the ones who are getting all the airtime, go so far left. It really, I think, makes me believe that 
the people who are in charge of these campaigns and debates, like they're looking at who gets the most retweets, who gets the most attention from the media, and they're saying, oh, that's good, let's play off of that. But that mm. doesn't necessarily mean that's what the average everyday person is is, is going to want to hear from their candidates. And thank goodness for that. Yeah. Because if, if, if everybody was like how Twitter is, like there would be civil war, actually. It wouldn't be just something we're talking about, like, oh, maybe it'll happen. Uh, you it, know, no, but. it would absolutely happen. And actually, um, Tim Poole, he reports on this a lot, and we have an article that references that. But the, the people that we see on Twitter the most that I think these politicians are taking cues from, they, they really are the fringe people. We have this article from the Washington Post um, who says that, which says that people who consume news, news media most of the time are almost three times as inaccurate in their understanding of others' views as those who consume news only now and then, the study found. So things like these people who are all plugged into the news, watching everything CNN says, they, they literally will think that Trump is like a racist. And I mean, I think the same can be said for me. I, I watch these CNN debates and it makes me think that every Democrat, like, you're, okay, you're literally a socialist. But I know that, like, that's... That's not true. There are tons of Democrats who just maybe want a bit of a more robust safety net, but yep. they're not actually free health care for illegal immigrants. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you sat down and talked with 95% of people of the opposing political party, you would agree on 95% of things. Mm -hmm. And it's about that other 5-10% of, of issues that you actually talk about. Yeah. And uh, the Washington Post article also continues that um, heavy social media use has the same negative effect on viewpoint accuracy. And they're referring to how accurately you can define the other side's views. The perception gap is about 10 percentage points higher for those who have shared political content on social media in the past year than those who haven't. This isn't much of a shock. Consider, for example, that only about 22% of U.S. adults are on Twitter and 80% of tweets come from just 10% of users. I think I used to be part of that 10%, but I've, I've cut back a lot lately. I'm in the bottom 1% of that. <laughs> I haven't sent out a real tweet yet. Yeah, you're just one of those like lurkers who just scroll, um, but you don't you I don't, don't really scroll. I, I go on Twitter like twice a week. Yeah, but still, Basically. you should tweet. If you rely on Twitter for political information, you are being informed by uh, Erstat's pundits, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, and propaganda bots residing within 2.2% of the politician. Oh, sorry, of the population. Politicians, especially presidential candidates these days, make the problem worse. They play to stereotypes by saying or tweeting radical things to fire up fringe view supporters who are numerically small but powerful in primaries. Or they tell their supporters that the other side is all a bunch of extremist kooks. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now. And uh, it's it's unfortunate for, I think, those moderate Democrats, people who, you know, are listening to Ryan or Delaney or Bullock and thinking, yeah, OK, great. Someone who's going to draw in the craziness. Yeah. But, you know, these loud minorities, they're going to make it so that the party, the candidates don't hear them. And primary voters are a lot more likely, I think, to be on that fringe because who votes in primaries? You've got to really care about this, more likely to be a little bit on the borders. So this was interesting. It was uh, fun to, to watch Marianne Williamson, in my opinion, won. I look forward to, if, if it would happen, her talking to Trump. It'd be a whole lot of crazy on one stage. It'd be great. Um, but I think that's all we have to say for now. If you are watching this live, then please stay on the stream because we are going to be back in just a few seconds with some exclusive Q&A. But aside from that, thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next time.